Welcome to Origin Gate Wisdom's Echo. My name's Jane Schroeder. I'm going to share with you an insight for the day about prayer. A couple of different types of prayer. One of them is my favourite. I call it centering on the prayers of affection. Where I focus on Jesus, Yeshua, on my love for him and his love for me. Another type of prayer that I love is the amazing Charles Finney. He was very much a strong, fear of the Lord, plumb line prayer man. And he believed in holiness and he functioned in the presence, in the habitation. I love this prayer that he would pray. I was constrained to pray without ceasing, in other words, without stopping. Some of my experiences alarmed me. I would say to God that he made a promise to answer my prayer. I had no doubt. And I could not and would not be denied. I felt so certain he would hear me. And that the faithfulness to to his promises and to himself rendered it impossible that he should not answer and hear my prayer. I so often frequently found myself saying to him, I hope you don't think that I can be denied. I come with your faith, your faithful promises in my hand, that God would answer prayer and I cannot be denied. I cannot tell how absurd unbelief looked to me. I did not even doubt that it would not be answered. How certain I was in my mind that God would answer my prayer. Those prayers that from day to day, hour to hour, second to second, I found myself offering in such agony and faith. I had no idea of the shape the answer would take, the locality in which the prayers would be answered, or the exact time of the answer. I felt myself strengthened as I prayed in the divine life. I put on the harness by faith for the mighty conflict with the powers of darkness and expected soon to see a far more greater powerful outpouring of God's spirit. Wow, he was a man of trust and faith. He did not doubt in any shape or form that his prayer would be answered. In this time, in this season of people in lockdown and corona and people being sick, I feel like many people have turned more to pray fervent prayers. People who have never prayed before, people who have not prayed for years and people that have prayed without ceasing, but there's more fervency on it, there's more persistent, there's more strength on it. But we all know we pray from a place of rest, assured that what we pray, that we're praying the future, not the present. We're calling it in, our frequency and our sound and in our voices is creating the future. Nation shapers, history makers, Born for such a time as this, we are. And one beautiful story I love. A nun 
a Franciscan nun who spent 40 years in a convent. She was from Jewish origin in the 1620s. I love to research these people and read about them. I love history, particularly of the praying saints, the Celtic saints. She would pray in this prayer of silence. She would withdraw to pray. Some people call it ecstasy. In other words, she would pray in a state of extreme delight and adoration and affection, centering only on Yeshua and a love for him and his love for her. Some people call them flights, the flight of the spirit, by locations in the spirit. And it is known that she would have at least 500 of these flights during her life. One day, a group of 50 Indians, an unknown tribe, had walked a great distance from what we know now is Texas. They'd walked to the mission to ask the friar in charge there to send letters to the Pope and the King asking them to send missionaries into their remote area and territory. They knew exactly where to find the friars, they knew the direction, who'd given them by the lady they called the Blue Nun. They explained that she had taught them about the religion of Jesus. <laughs> oh, I love this. The holy men were surprised and astonished to find the Indians were well instructed in the faith and the baptism. The whole entire tribe of Jesus Christ. Only when Maria's confessors knew about her flights and how she had raised many from the dead, healed the sick and won converts to Jesus Christ. The Pope sent out word to find this blue nun we know as Maria of Agrida. It took them 11 years to search for the mysterious blue nun. Convinced of the authenticity of her confessions. On later when she was investigated by the Pope's Inquisition. One of the friars wrote, I call God to witness that my esteemed love for her holiness, which has been increased more and more by all the miracles which she has wrought in America, in Mexico, she had been transported there by a process the church calls bilocation or teleportation. This was documented down. Doesn't it just blow your mind that she would go into a closet or into a little place on her own to pray? And she would be one with Jesus Christ and she would be sucked out of her body and show up to a tribe, a remote tribe, and they would be introduced to Jesus. And she would teach them about the union of the cross and the blood of Jesus and how he shed it for their lives.
and for their salvation. Wow, it's wonderful. Another different type of prayer that I love was a very famous healer called Maria Woodworth Etta. She was a powerful prayer and a very persistent prayer. I like that persistence, that surrender, that total given over to him. She says, power, raw power, was to come on the women. She would ask God to give her the power, like the Galilean fishermen, to anoint her, she would cry out, anoint me like the Galilean fisherman. I come as a child, I'm asking for bread in childlike innocence. And I believe that healing should be our daily bread. I'm looking for you, she would say. God, I will not be disappointed. That was how Charles Finney would pray. The Holy Ghost came down on me like a cloud, she said. It was brighter than the noonday sun. I was covered and wrapped in this thick, thick cloud of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. I was baptised into the Holy Ghost and to fire and power, which never left me. It was like liquid fire and the angels were all around me in fire and glory. Wow, we could do with a bit of that in these times and seasons. The wildfire, the purging fire, the purifying fire, the holy fire. She writes that how Jesus qualified her. She would say sometimes when the Spirit of God was calling her so plainly to yield and surrender totally to him, she would go, yes, Lord. I surrender to you. I will go, not always knowing where he wanted me to go. I felt a compulsion to say that. The glory of the Lord would be so strong on me. It seemed to be like Philip the disciple when he was taken from one place to another, 40 miles away from one place to another. And as he was preaching one place, he carried on preaching in the in, in the new place at Zotus. I would see, Mariah said, fields of wheat, sheaves standing upright, but they, as I prayed, would fall around around me. They would fall down around me. People would be what was called slain in the spirit in a trance. Trance meaning half asleep, half awake. I was filled with zeal and power and felt that I could stand before the whole world and plead for dying sinners. <laughs> it seemed like I must leave and go at once. Then these doubting thoughts would come as I prayed. They would flood within me and make me feel like I could do nothing. Mariah Woodworth-Etta couldn't read or write but the Lord would show her scriptures on the wall. She didn't need to worry about knowing what to say because the Holy Spirit was in her. 
Remember that fire, that liquid fire she was baptised into and the angels that were around her to help her. It says in Psalm 103, we don't worship the angels, but they are our servants. They're created to help us, to be with us, to be our servants. That she was surrounded within and without with fire and glory. The Lord would encourage me and rouse my spirit until I would be at a point of, I just wished I could die. But at that point, I would begin to remember that God knows all about me. He knows every hair on my head. He knows the sands on the seashore and the stars in the sky, every single one. And I would be willing and able and I would be qualified for the work that he would give me to do. I would ask him, qualify me, fill me, mould me, make me yours alone. That's beautiful. And surrender. And out of this place of contemplation and prayer and surrender, in this season where I've spent a lot of time on my own, at one point it felt, what am I doing in this isolation? But I began to realise a good friend said to me, you're not in isolation, you're in separation. You've been set apart. How beautiful is that? So I can come in a place of silence and rest and listen and lean my ear in and listen to him. We have our beautiful baby boy, and he recently spent some time with me and I got to hold and hug him and kiss him. And out of that place, the Lord began to speak to me. He said to me that I was handpicked, that we are handpicked by God himself with childlike innocence. Handpicked, we have become a target, a bullseye, a bullseye for his love. Permanently connected with Abba's umbilical cord, conductor between heaven and earth. The embryo of fullness, the flexible, beautiful song that he sang over us and sang us into being to supply every need of love. Nutrigence, the respiratory of joy, tethered supply line grafted together in the interwoven tapestry of love the gateway the formation the imagination we are mainlined into your strength nourishment of sound connectors circuited sustained life existence sustenance our daily bread jesus christ quenches our thirst in the dry, parched land. He loves us forever and ever. <laughs>